Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, former Sooner Marcus Dupree set to join us. Of course, he had that great 30 for 30 film uh, that came out a couple years ago. We'll talk about that and among other things and uh, catch up with Marcus, what he's doing as of right now, uh, coming up in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, so don't miss out on our chat with uh, Marcus Dupree on today's edition of the Jones Report. Thomas Bridges here with me today, as always, and uh, TB is uh, is buying up all the jerseys. Uh, I think he's uh, keeping all the jersey companies in uh, business right now. Yeah, at least in China. So I found these pretty sweet sites uh, that sell these jerseys, Jones, and I have enough of them now that I can say they are pretty legit. I mean, obviously they're fake, but you wouldn't be able to tell, and I kind of did my own own uh, how you say, like a version of a quick test on, you know, what would qualify as a fake. I mean, the Nike is in the right place. It's, they're all stitched. Um, they have Nike tags on them. And that, you know, like that's if you bought from a store, it would have like the price on They didn't have the price, but it has like NBAstores.com on it. And it, they're kind of phenomenal. So, you know, I had to get the, the Ginobili the Parker, I got DeRozan, I got DeJounte Murray, and I went ahead and got a Jared Goff jersey. I don't have any L.A. Rams stuff until right now. You've, uh, it you've, was all St. Louis. So you've officially conformed uh, to the L.A. side now? You know, I kind of have to. If they were still trash, then maybe I wouldn't. But here lately we've been, you know, the few Rams fans that are in Bartlesville. Uh, they've been Ram- I've known them since the trash days in St. Louis. Um all go and watch the games together. So, and they all have LA Rams stuff. So they one has a cup jersey, one has a girly jersey. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and get, I'll go ahead and get Goff and and call it good. But I also got Donovan Mitchell. So maybe I'll tweet out the link. Uh, they're pretty awesome. And I, and you know, two of the jerseys I got for thirteen dollars a piece, and the other ones were twenty two dollars a piece. So that's a steal. You know. That's a deal. Yeah, I mean, retail for those are 100 plus. So I see it as a win, even if it is a fake. Uh, you know, nobody has the money to, you know, drop $120 on a, a legit jersey. So if you can get the closest thing to that for $22 from China, then uh, I don't think you can beat that. Well, and, and these leagues have, and uh, the apparel companies have ripped fans off for so much of charging uh, such high prices. I have no problem with this, uh, like on a moral level or anything. I mean, this is, uh, it's perfectly okay with me. I don't, I don't see the issue with it here. I see, I don't think so either. I mean, I realistically, how much, especially, you know, I like Nike a lot, but realistically, these jerseys are pretty much already made in China, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And it's probably made by like a 10 year old. So, as far as that goes, I have no problem buying from somewhere else. Uh, if it's, you know, if it's close, if it looks legit, all the colors are right. They don't look faded or a different shade of one color. So, hell, who knows? They might just come from the same factory. I, I don't know. They very uh, well might. All, I mean, they're already in China. It took, the only bad thing, it took like a month to get here. But uh, free shipping. 
So they very well might. It might be like a TJ Maxx ordeal. You know, TJ Maxx will get Polo and Adidas and Nike, and then they sell it at a fraction of the cost uh, from, like, the big-name stores. Like, get them from, like, Dillard's or wherever, and then sell them for a cheaper price. This might be the China TJ Maxx. I have no idea. The, the original TJ Maxx of some sorts? Yeah. I, I think yeah. it's fantastic. Uh, I, I like TJ Maxx, too. But, uh, yeah, this seems like uh, quite the deal. Uh, people need to get on this and check this out. Have, have you thought about this, Tom, of selling those for close to retail price and, like, making a profit back? You know what? Um, so you to- I could totally do that and just not give away my source and get them in and sell them. I don't know. Bartles is probably not a very good market for that, but I could potentially buy them up and then sell them for, you know, get them in for $22. Or I think they have an option. If you buy a bunch in bulk, they're like cheaper, take those and then turn around and sell them for, you know, 60 bucks and make $40 a pop on them. That might not be a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, you could get to a point where, uh, you got enough of a black market on it where that could be like your full-time job is just getting jerseys from China and selling them. Oh, my goodness. That would be something else. Could you imagine? Oh, my gosh. I just had whatever jersey. You know, and they and have not pay taxes on it either? Jersey. That sounds great. You wouldn't. Oh, okay, well, you might be talking about something here. They have all the new jerseys, too. They had the new LeBron uh, almost immediately. They had the new Khalil Mack. They have the uh, Miami Vice jerseys, which are pretty hard to find here. Maybe you're on to something. Maybe we'll just stop doing sports radio and we'll just go in the jersey business right yeah until uh we get uh get caught by the fbi or something you know and and yeah uh, we get hull held up in customs and fbi comes looking for us right uh once they get done investigating college basketball players and teams and they'll come for us next you know yeah, there you go. That's funny. Oh, that's that's good stuff. Uh, but that's cool. Uh, that's uh, that's that's unique for sure. Tom uh, David Beatty is out as the head coach at uh, the University of Kansas. This is something that uh, I've called for for a long time. Uh, David Beatty, nice man, nicest guy around. Tom knows firsthand. He's he's you know been up close with David Beatty, and you know as good of an individual as David Beatty is. Um, nice guys don't necessarily always win. Uh, Mike Riley is your case in point. Look at him at Nebraska. Nicest guy ever. And, uh, couldn't win, you know, more than five games a year at Nebraska. Just a disaster what went on. David Beatty is definitely leaving this program in better hands than he found it. I don't think anybody's going to argue or disagree with that. Uh, this program was left in shambles after, uh, what Charlie Weiss, uh, put that program through. Uh, you know, there was, uh, I heard Ben Heaney talk about this week, former Jayhawk player who went on to play in the NFL, that uh, there's a lot of stuff that went on that people don't know and maybe someday would make for a, a 30 for 30 or something about what went on with that program, uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's been rumored that players were threatening to boycott you know, playing for Charlie Weiss and, among other things, obviously, the scholarship hole. Uh, David Beatty has said that he uh, – when he arrived on campus, he was left with uh, about 28 players on scholarship as all. Well. Uh, I mean, just a mess of the situation David Beatty was put through. And you know, Beatty's made this a better job than it was when he took it. Um, I mean, that's for certain they're, that they're in better shape now. You know, they've won more games this year since they've won in 2014, winning three games uh, this season. But uh, simple enough, the 
results were still not good enough for this team. Uh, three wins isn't going to cut it, even at KU. That's not good enough. Uh, also with David Beatty, the the way he coaches, his uh, clock management is just awful. The guy does not know how to manage timeouts. He is not a good play caller. Uh, his schemes are uh, very uh, dull. He has not been able to develop quarterbacks. He hasn't been able to develop an offensive line. Uh, just a number of things that add up. David Beatty was in over his head thinking that he could go from being a wide receivers coach to a head coach. And although he's a good man, and I think that he's going to be just fine, he'll have another job of some sorts uh, someday. Uh, I think that, you know, very well, there's a chance that David Beatty may even be a head coach again someday. But as of right now, uh, he was not the right fit for KU to take this program going forward. But the foundation is better and whoever gets that job next, and we'll talk about those possible candidates here in just a second, is uh, going to get a better job uh, than what David Beatty took. And KU's got more money to spend on whoever that coach may be. Uh, Jeff Long is uh, is the right man to take this program the next step uh, as their athletic director, and they're being aggressive now. And uh, the status quo isn't going to be good enough anymore. Uh, but uh, David Beatty, I'll say this, it's very admirable and honorable that he's finishing out the season as head coach says a lot about him and his character that he's willing to stick around through all this. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a heck of a man, and it shows uh, being able to, uh, you know, honor his commitment to his players and finish out this season. No, and it really does say uh, speak to a lot of David Beatty's character uh, that he would say, I don't think, you know, with kind of what's just went on in Kansas as far as losing so many games, there's maybe not a whole lot of coaches that would stick around I would just call it quits, but like you said, he uh, made that commitment to his players that he would stay, and I, you know, I think that's awesome for a coach to do, especially one that has, you know, experienced what he has, or you know, it's taken uh, the KU program from literally nothing to to at least something. They've gotten their first road win since was it oh eight oh nine oh nine. Okay, so I was not too far off, but. Uh, we knew this was going to happen, Jones, and it would have taken it would have taken a I don't know I would call it a miracle maybe, but at least a bowl game being bowl eligible already at this point, and we still might have seen him be fired. And I think David Beatty kind of knew that going in and, and tried to make the most of the season. Hell, they got to win against TCU and, and won games that maybe they shouldn't have. Uh, so you know he. He's going to get another job, like you said, maybe not right away. Maybe it'll be uh, a position coach somewhere else. Uh, but I do – I do. he's one of the most respectable coaches, uh, I, I think, and, and sounds bad enough, but loses with enough class. He doesn't – he's not a Tom Herman by any means. So, and I, I guess you really couldn't be a Kansas. But um, good guy, but we all knew this was going to happen. Yeah, it was uh, – it's tough to see. And, you know, between – uh, listening to him on uh, his coach's show the other night in the press conference, this wasn't easy, and he cares about this program. Uh, you know, he's an emotional guy, uh, certainly, and uh, cares a lot about his players and about the University of Kansas, but he wasn't going to be the right guy to take this program uh, going forward to continue. Uh, I mean, it, it just wasn't going to work out. Um, you know, David Beatty did a lot, but there's a point when you got to let go, when uh, enough's enough, and uh, I think now's the great point. To do so, uh, with Jeff Long, is uh, he was brought in to fix football. Uh, you know, from day one, he said that you know he wanted to break the cycle, 
And I've talked to Jeff a couple times uh, in the last uh, couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I mean, Jeff is uh, fully committed to getting this right and doing this the right way. And KU's got resources they haven't had before. This next head coach is not going to have to deal with the scholarship problems that David Beatty had to deal with. This next head coach has an indoor facility on its way in the next month or two that they're going to have access to. This next head coach is going to have a stadium that's going to be remodeled and going to be one of the nicest stadiums in the Big 12 Conference within the next couple years. The next head coach is going to have access to more coaches, personnel, more salary to spend, more money they're going to make than what Beatty and previous coaches have had before. So things are setting up to succeed uh, that things are better off than what they've ever been for what this next head coach is about to be handed compared to what this program has seen before. Remember, Mark Mangino won at KU, and he didn't have a whole lot to work with. Uh, he did this with a lot less. That stadium was bad. There wasn't what there is now. Things were even worse than uh, than what they are now when Mark Mangino had to deal with the win, and he won, and he won big. It can be done but it's going to be tough to find the right guy to take Kansas to the next step. Uh, you know, KU's not asking a whole lot either, though. The next head coach, if KU is a bowl team year in and year out, that's all that Jeff Long is asking for. Uh, they just want to be a constant bowl team. If they can do that, you know, they got a job security for a very long time, the next head coach. So, um, I mean, there are things where it is still Kansas. There are things you have to overcome that are not going to be easy but once you get to that point, it's not asking too much that this next head coach uh, can't be a bowl team every single year. Look at Iowa State. Iowa State has about the same resources, maybe maybe even less, than KU has to work with. And uh, Matt Campbell has turned them into a powerhouse and a team that can compete in the Big 12 year in and year out. KU, uh, it's, it's not asking too much for them to possibly do what Iowa State is doing right now. Yeah, it's not out of the question, and, and especially with the, with the names we've already kind of heard, and I wouldn't doubt that KU could turn this thing around and is on the right track. Hell, I would even say, I uh, wouldn't say a complete 180, but, uh, you know, David Beatty, for some things, and this is almost hard to say, granted the record, uh, there's a lot of things his record doesn't show. Uh, I think you would agree with that as well there's a lot of things that David Betty has done to further this program he's just kind of at the end of his road here um and that sucks in as of itself because he won't get to taste the taste or see the you know KU's improvement uh because they will well I think they will you know they're going to get better and going to be able to compete and be a respectable opponent in the Big 12 uh, eventually and, and David Betty was just kind of the stepping stone for that and while that's not you know if you're in his position that's not the best thing for you it might not have been the best thing for David Beatty but it's the best thing for the program um and for the students so I feel for David Beatty in a way but uh he's just kind of a stepping stone on a process to get KU back uh to where they need to be in the Big 12 so whether you know whatever coach they do end up hiring whatever uh you know direction Jeff Long decides to take this program i think it's already in the right direction i think it's I, I think the direction they're on might be in the same way that iowa state took because not long ago iowa state 
was in Kansas's position. They got the right head coach in there. They got the right resources. Arguably, like you said, less than KU has right now. And now they're a team that beat Oklahoma State, beat Tech. Uh, saying beat Tech because they've had a hell of a year so far. Um, beat OU in Norman last year. This is it beyond me to say that given I don't know three or four years that KU could be uh, an up and coming like. Iowa State is right now, I don't think that's out of the question. No, I don't think it is at all with the right head coach. Uh, you know, next year, KU brings back a huge senior class um, with uh, a lot of talented players. Puka Williams is uh, the best running back in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, that defense has been very well. I mean, they've only been a couple things away from competing. Um, the right head coach, a good quarterback, and a good offensive line, that's a bowl team this year. Um, so, the right head coach can get it done and can win at KU and uh, meet the goals of Jeff Long in this program. Let's talk about who could be the right head coach for the University of Kansas. The favorite, odds-on favorite, according to Bruce Feldman of Fox Sports and The Athletic, is uh, Les Miles, the uh, former LSU and uh, Oklahoma State head coach. Les Miles won a national championship at LSU. Oklahoma State was uh, awful when he took over at Oklahoma State. And uh, they ended up being a powerhouse in the Big 12, and he set up things for Mike Gundy very well to go from there. Uh, he has been out of coaching for a couple of years, though, Tom, and he's not getting any younger. He turned 65 years old on Saturday. And then, on top of that, his offenses were awful towards the end of his, his tenure at uh, LSU. Uh, I mean, but I'll say this. If, if Les Miles can have the energy of a younger coach, if he can let age not get in the way, and if he can admit fault on uh, his mistakes uh, as an offensive you know, coach, if he can bring in the right offensive coordinator, um, then this could potentially work. This could be a home run hire if those two things work out in his way. If either one of those things doesn't work, if Les Miles has Charlie Weiss-like energy or if he doesn't get the right offensive coach in there to lead this offense, then this could be a disaster. Uh, this is There's a lot of potential here if Les Miles is the next head coach, but uh, the, also there's a lot of risk involved uh, if Les Miles is that guy. Yeah, there is a lot of risk. and I, Is it worth taking? I mean, he is a, a household name. Uh, we've talked about this before we set off on this show that KU already kind of has a Louisiana pipeline going. I, you mentioned, I can't think of the coach's name off the top. But Tony Holt. There you go. On KU staff, kind of already has that pipeline going. I think this would only, you know, increase that or better that. Uh, and it seems to be working so far. I mean, Puka is from New Orleans, right? Yeah, he is. And Mike Lee and a few others. This team is uh, made up of uh, Lawrence kids and New Orleans players. Well, see, there you go. Maybe keep a good thing going. And, I mean, I don't see how Les Miles would damage that pipeline any. Um, so, I agree with you in a way that it could go really good or it could just be a, a complete pipe pipe dream and, and not work out in the way that uh, people are expecting. Uh, you know, I from what Les Miles did to Oklahoma State, you know, brought them kind of started that foundation almost in a way probably a better way than david Beatty kind of started the revolution in kansas maybe that's maybe that's too soon to say maybe we'll see who they bring in but 
Um, maybe this is, you know, maybe this is the next step. Maybe this is the guy. Les Miles returns to the Big 12. Uh, almost storybook-like. But uh, there are a bunch of different coaches out there. I'm, I'm seeing Brian Harson from Boise State. I highly doubt he would leave that job. Um, who, someone else said uh, Greg Schiano. I'm not entirely sure about that either, but uh, I'm seeing Brett Bielema. Uh, I would not like that hire if I was KU. Or, I don't think Jeff uh, Long is going to risk. I don't think Jeff Long's going to risk his future on uh, Brett Bielema again. He already got burned. No, neither am I. He already got burned by that looking, once at Arkansas. I don't think he's going to let that happen again. Um, I'm looking at a uh, KU article right now. I don't know. Do you know who Benton Smith is from yeah, KU ben, Sports? Yeah, Benton Smith of uh, the LJ World. Uh, he he puts some names out there. Here's the names I would look at. Um, I think the first phone call you make is to Dave Doran um, just to gauge his interest and see where it's at. And I'm sure that that has already tried to happen anyway. It would be is tough that to North pull Carolina State? Yes, it would be tough to pull him away from NC State, uh, obviously, and you're going to have to pour a lot of money. But if you could get Doran, that'd be my first choice. Uh, he's from Shawnee, Kansas. He was on Mark Mangino's staff. Uh, you know, he won at Northern Illinois. He's won at NC State. Um, you know, he wanted the job in 2012, but they gave it to Charlie Weiss instead. Uh, you have to apologize to him right away and said, hey, we should have hired you in 2012 and then pay him a lot of money and hope that's good enough. That would be my first choice, but that's, uh, you know, that might be a pipe dream of some sorts. Same thing with Mike Leach. That'd be my second choice, too. Um, you know, again, you're going to have to try really hard and throw a ton of cash to get Mike Leach out of Pullman, especially with how good they're playing right now. But then after that point, there's a couple names I like more than Les Miles, Tom. And because of my concerns with Les, this is why I got these other two, other two guys. Uh, I like Jeff Munkin at Army. If you run a triple option, KU's going to compete immediately, and it's going to be a big equalizer, and you're going to take advantage of a lot of bad defenses in the Big 12. Army almost beat OU this year. If you imagine, Can you imagine playing that week in and week out if, if KU played a triple option offense, remember, Army's playing with zero and one-star guys. If KU uses, you know, two, three, and four-star talent to run the triple option, uh, that is going to be a mess. That's going to wreak havoc for these Big 12 teams to deal with. Uh, it immediately is an equalizer, and you can uh, compete right away in the Big 12 if uh, they hire Jeff Munkin out of Army or another triple option coach, maybe uh, Ken uh, Niamatomo from uh, Navy, uh, or uh, go that route. If they do that, uh, I would love it. Uh, you're never going to win the Big 12 running that, but you would certainly compete and win some football games running the triple option in this league. Yeah, it would, that would be a nightmare. And as an Oklahoma State fan, I would be like, I would be miserable going to play in Lawrence to play the triple option at least once a year. Uh, Jones, another name I like, and, and uh, maybe only on one condition. And I like the job he's done so far, and it seems that he's kind of building the program, but it, it can only go so high. Seth Luttrell from North Texas. If he could convince Mason Fine to come with him to KU, would that not be something? That would be a great hire. I would love to see uh, Seth Luttrell make the trek to Lawrence. Seth Luttrell is an up-and-coming coach. Of course, he played for OU and uh, he is already off to a great start to his coaching career. He's going to be a star. He's going to be a heck of a head coach no matter where he goes. I don't think you can miss on Seth Luttrell if, uh, if you hire him. Maybe Mason Fine comes with, 
as a grad transfer and a package deal of some sorts. How much does Oklahoma State wish they have Mason Fine right now? How much does uh, – Oh, God. How they much have, does, they does, have Spencer Sanders, but I wish at the same time – I mean, nobody recruited him. I mean, yeah, yeah he's undersized, but, I mean, he's kind of proven everybody wrong. Grant, the University of Tulsa, TU wishes they yeah. had Mason Fine right now, and he wanted to go there too. I mean, if – if Mason Fine, oh yeah, Mason Fine would be starting in Stillwater right now um, if he was there. Um, that's that's realistic. I mean, that's a good quarterback. If you could bring him and Latrell together, uh, that's a great combo. I think that you're setting up uh, a good foundation there. But that's going to be a tough pull to bring in. Uh, Les Miles, uh, you know, appears to be the favorite right now. His daughter uh, Smacker actually followed me on Twitter and Instagram this week, so. I think that here's the other thing I do like from Les Miles' standpoint. And Tim Brando, friend of the show, uh, was talking about this on Twitter the other day. And this is, this is what I really like to hear, Tom, is that, according to Tim, that there is an energy from Les Miles, that Les Miles is really excited about this job, that he's very interested, that, he, uh, you know, that there is an interest there, that it's, it's not going to take a lot of convincing for Les Miles to get this job. Uh, that if uh, Les Miles is uh, going to be the guy, uh, that it's ultimately KU's choice. It's not necessarily uh, – they're not going to get turned down by Les Miles. Uh, they're not going to get left at the altar uh, choosing him. That uh, this guy, if he's going to come to KU, he's going to want to be there, which is a really good really good thing, unlike uh, what you had with Charlie Weiss and uh, some of the other coaches uh, that, that have been hired at KU. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and, and... – for Les Miles, he comes into a position that, you know, might not be ideal for, any, you know, some other big-name coaches. But at the same time, he doesn't have to start out at a smaller school and work his way back up. Uh, he gets to pretty much immediately come into uh, a situation that's workable that, you know, only people like Les Miles could, you know, rework. I mean, he already did it with Oklahoma State. Uh, he's been, you know, off coaching for a couple of years this Seems like a storybook time for his return. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Could be a good fit. So those are uh, some of the names we're looking at to possibly uh, take over at KU. Um, Going to be big. How about this time, real quick? Uh, this weekend, you got the Sunflower Showdown, KU and K State. It's going to be David Beatty's last Sunflower Showdown, but it could potentially be Bill Snyder's as well, as a lot of people are saying that Bill Snyder is going to be out at the end of the year. This is a huge game Saturday. I know both teams are coming in with the same record at 3-6, and six, and it's been such a down year for K-State, You not beating their expectations. But uh, there could be a lot of off-the-field distractions going into Saturday's game for both these teams uh, with uh, looking like their coaches. Both sides are going to be gone here in uh, just a couple weeks. Yeah, probably emotional for both sides and I'd say emotional for David Beatty and then emotional for the whole Kansas State fan base uh and maybe even emotional for just people who are fans of Bill Snyder I mean what a, a, a class act what an awesome person uh you can't say enough about Bill Snyder and if this is his last year I mean I mean that's almost sad I mean I, I get it the man is like could be my triple great grandpa almost it feels like that sometimes uh, but the wizard, Bill Snyder, calling it quits. Uh, it makes, you know, I just had a birthday. It makes me feel old. 
Yeah, and I hope that it goes away gracefully, Tom. That's what I want to see. Uh, I know that Bill Snyder has been adamant about staying in that job and trying to get his son that position, but with the struggles that they've had and some of the language that he said, you know, this year, you know, I mean, he's been kind of ruthless uh, going after the media. You know, he uh, he took a shot at some of his own players at different points this year. Uh, unlike Bill Snyder in the behavior he's possessed this year, uh, if Bill Snyder's going to go away, I hope this goes out gracefully. Uh, even as a KU person, I would hate to see this go down in an ugly way. Uh, I would. That's hopefully they work this out to uh, make a smooth transition, and uh, Bill Snyder can still be honored and still go out uh, the right way. And uh, if if it is indeed his uh, his last few games to end the season, yeah, and I hope so too. I mean, he he deserves that way. You know, I hope he's not getting like too senile or uh, you know just too mad at the situation. I get it; they're not meeting expectations, and I get that the next head coaching position open at K-State. I get that. That's been pretty controversial for, what, at least two or three years now? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So I hope it's not – I hope it doesn't come out and, and leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth just to uh, – you know, it would be a shame to see it go out like that or a shame to see it not end well just considering what all Bill Snyder's been able to accomplish. And for KU, on uh, their front, this timing to make this coaching change is perfect for them right now. With K-State going through their problems and them likely to move on from Bill Snyder, uh, this is the time for KU to capitalize because Bill Snyder has had a stranglehold on this state for 30 years. And the only time that KU won was when a Ron Prince was their head coach at K-State and a Mark Mangino took over from there. Uh, if KU's going to get this thing going, it's going to be post-Bill Snyder because Bill Snyder uh, just completely dominated KU in his tenure. This is the right time to make a move. Oh, completely agree, especially if they can get a Les Miles in there after Snyder calls it quits and then they just get a you know a, a first-year head coach or someone with not a whole lot of experience. I mean, Les Miles would have Kansas on a lock, uh, maybe not immediately, uh, but pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. I would love the idea if if, uh, if it's a Les Miles Hugh Free combo. If Hugh Free's his offensive coordinator and kind of like his uh, his heir apparent, you know, the coach in waiting of some sorts, um, that would be fine with me. Um, but I do have my concerns about Les Miles in regards to his age and his offense. Um, if he has the energy and if he finds a good OC like Hugh Free, then uh, I'm all in. Let's see what happens. But again, definitely going to be in a very interesting couple of weeks as a KU sorts out all this and uh, what they do with uh, their future and finding their next head football coach at the University of Kansas. Coming up next, Marcus Dupree joins us. Great chat with him, catching up with the former Sooner. We'll uh, talk about what he's up to uh, with uh, looking back at his 30 for 30 and uh, talk some Sooners and uh, some NFL and and uh, some other things with him, with uh, Marcus Dupree. A full interview uh, that goes a lot of different directions. Coming up next with Marcus Dupree right here on the Jones Report. Well, one of the best 30 for 30 films in the entire collection is uh, on uh, a former Sooner running back. And it's uh, Marcus Dupree. And uh, he joins us right now uh, here on the Jones Report today. And uh, what a uh, interesting story and career this guy's had, and 
and now uh, his life has uh, gone uh, to this point where uh, you know his his name is uh, as big as it's ever been. It seems, uh, Marcus. Uh, how much did uh, did your life change after that uh, thirty for thirty, man? That was one of my favorites, and what a story you have, uh, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Uh, what what's uh, how's life changed for you since that movie came out? Well, pretty much a whole 180 or 360, however you want to put it. Uh, you know, now we got kids that uh, are younger than my grandkids. I got 12 grandkids, so uh, the youngest one is six, and they got kids that know who I am now and probably would have never known who, who Marcus Dupree was or is uh, at this point in their life without that 30 for 30. Man, that's uh, something. What, uh, what, are you, what are you up to nowadays, Marcus? Well, uh, some of the things I'm doing now is with, uh, we have a foundation in Mississippi called Feminist First for Mississippi, so I go around speaking to high school kids about making the right choices. Uh, also, I deal with uh, kids and autism with my horses and dyslexia. Uh, I do movies. I've been doing some commercials, do a lot of radio shows, uh, travel all over the country speaking, uh, got a barbecue sauce, uh, what were you uh, doing before that uh, film came out, Marcus? Uh, what what did it did it change for you pretty quickly? What happened since then? Uh, somewhat. I mean, I was still doing football camps, and you know, I had a trucking company, and uh, basically doing just making a living, basically just like I'm doing now. Man, that's uh, that's great to see it all play out the way it did for you. Uh, Marcus, uh, looking back at uh, at Oklahoma and uh, everything that's uh, inspired since, uh, you know, with, uh, with went on with you and, and Barry Switzer and everything. How's uh, how's your relationship with the Sooners these days? Uh, I think I, I I've seen a couple times where uh, where you were welcomed with open arms back there. How are things back uh, with you and the folks in Norman? Uh, I think everything's pretty good, pretty straight. I, I mean, I, you know, I seen the thirty for thirty. I saw what went down. Now I see the true story and. Uh, Coach Wilson and I are, are, are great. I mean, we've been, even before the 30 for 30 came out, we were still talking on the phone and talking about different things in the NFL and, and college football. So uh, we were great before that. And, and now, you know, going back to Oklahoma is just a part of life now. What's, uh, t- tell me about uh, you, and, you and Switzer. What's, uh, what's your favorite memory of, uh, of Barry Switzer and some of the time that you guys spent together? Well, I guess uh, probably uh, probably my best memory is when when uh, I scored my first touchdown against Texas, and we did the reverse. And we saw I was supposed to hand it off to Steve Sewell, so we went to the sideline and and uh, we were talking about the play, and uh, so we started back out toward the field, and Coach was called me back and said, uh, "Keep the ball, don't give it off, keep it, keep it." And I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Keep it." And uh, next thing you know, it's history. Seventy five yards later. Man, that's uh, that's real cool. That's neat stuff. Marcus Dupree joining us on the Jones Report right now. Uh, Marcus, how, how much has the running back position in particular changed since you played the game? Uh, we're seeing teams using a lot of backs, you know, a rotating bases, you know, carousels more than ever. Of course, uh, you know, a lot more shotgun runs than ever before. How much has that position changed compared to when you were playing, uh, you know, just not too long ago? Well, I don't think the position has changed. The offense has changed. Uh, the defense has changed. You don't see eight, nine, ten guys in the box no more. So guys got a lot of running lanes to run, got a lot of space to run to make moves. And that's the difference between back then and now. Uh, you know, back then, was, I, I, I want to say you got the man up when we played. Now you got a lot of running lanes. A lot of guys don't even get tested. They get 15, 20 yards down the field. 
So how do you think you would have done in uh, today's game? I imagine that uh, even more so with how spread open you know things are and how much space there is that, uh, I mean, you would have even rushed for even more yards uh, in, in today's type of football. Well, I, I mean, I would, I would, I would say so. I mean, uh, there's no telling. I mean, I, I know I get asked a lot, and hey, I can all I can say if I had that much space to run, I'd still be running all the way to Hawaii. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's really cool, uh, Marcus. Uh, Marcus Bridge joining us here on the uh, Jones Report right now. Marcus, uh, what do you think about this year's uh, Sooner squad uh, that uh, assembled one loss, that close game to Texas, uh, but otherwise. They've won every uh, other game since. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, this year's squad? Well, I think the team looks great except for the Texas game. Uh, we got a potent offense. We got a dynamic quarterback. I wish I could have played with him in the wishbone. Uh, he throws the ball well. He has the ability to make plays with his feet, and he can change. The, he's a he's a game changer just on one play. Uh, the defense we're struggling a little bit. Uh, I think we got to recruit some more defensive linemen. Uh, I always compare. Other defensive linemen to Alabama's defensive line because they got a couple of uh, kids over there that's playing now. Not my, not necessarily my kids, but kids that I know. And uh, you know, they're six four, six five, six six, three hundred pounds. I mean, they're men playing defensive line. So I think that's where the team has to start right there. We got a great offensive line there, but you know, I think we need to bring some more meat and potato guys on the defensive line. Uh, I think that our defensive back. Position is Count Young, but uh, we're playing and we stand in the game, so that's all that matters. Rodney Anderson went down uh, early on in the season. He, he announced he's off to the National Football League after the injuries he suffered and much. Ever since then, they've uh, the, the running back position has seemed just fine for OU. How do you uh, evaluate? What do you think of that uh, position since uh, since Rodney Anderson went down and those young guys that have uh, filled the void? Well, Sherman is doing a good job. He's a big bad. He's physical, and uh, uh, he's he's a little he's not fast as Anderson, but he's getting the job done. I really haven't watched the other kids. Uh, most of them are talking about, I, you know, you can only only been to maybe one game this year, two games, and so you can't really scout the guys because I used to be a scout for the watch the Redskins, so you can't really scout the guys watching TV. So, uh, but so far they're looking pretty good, and uh, we just got to keep the momentum going. How do you feel about uh, OU's chances uh, this year, maybe uh, to make that playoff or contend for a national title? What do, you, what do you think, how far this team could possibly go, maybe? Well, right now we're probably in the same position we were in last year, so some people got to lose, and we just got to keep winning and uh, let the chips fall where it may. And uh, like I said, I think we were in the same position last year. So we've been there before, and uh, we just got to keep winning. You mentioned uh, the wishbone, and, th and that brings up a whole other topic in itself. Uh, there's, uh, you know, we've seen you know the triple option kind of slowly start to take off. Uh, you know what Army did to OU, what Georgia Tech's done, uh, and all that uh, of sorts. Uh, that you know the modern day variation uh, of that. Do you think that could possibly be something that more teams use? Maybe. Uh, what, what what do you think about? Uh, you know, possibly a comeback of a modern-day uh, wishbone offense in today's uh, world of college football. Well, if there's anything like clothes back then, I mean, you know, people bring the same old clothes back in the 60s and 70s. They bring it right back around. They bring it back. Michael Jordan tennis shoes, they were out when I was just coming out of high school, so I'm sure it's going to come right back around again. <laughs> oh, man, uh, that's, that's a great point. Uh, all, all things always find a way to uh, – 
circle back at uh, some point in time. Uh, I, I'm sure Coach Switzer wouldn't mind uh, seeing uh, that offense come back in some way. I mean, he's been uh, he's been saying that this uh, this stuff could could work for a while. Oh, there's no doubt about it, especially with the teams that don't play against it every week. I mean, that's what happened to us against Army. We hadn't seen anybody play in a running wish mall like that. Uh, I'm glad we didn't play Georgia Tech because they got a lot better athletes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we had, oh, you hadn't seen a team running wish mall before. If you don't see it every day, it's hard to defend. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Marcus Dupree joining us here on the uh, Jones Report uh, right now and uh, also – uh, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, Google Play. Uh, Marcus, uh, tell me about the. Uh, you, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, your grandkids and everything, man. Uh, what's uh, what's family life like? Where 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 you at? Where, where you at nowadays, man? I live in Madison, Mississippi. Uh, I got twelve grandkids, seven granddaughters, grand boys. Uh, grand boys are playing football. I got a junior. I got a ninth grader, seventh grader, and a first grader, and a sixth grader. So they they all playing playing sports and uh, right now my ninth grader is getting recruited by Alabama. So um, and I'm sure my seventh grader he's supposed to go on a little recruiting not really a recruiting trip to Alabama this weekend, but he had this championship game this weekend, so he won't be able to do that. But he will be at camp over there this summer. So uh, life is good. I can't complain. Just being a papa, grandpa, however you want to put it, and uh, we ride horses and we have fun and uh, we just. You know, try to live to live. Now, you, you mentioned uh, your kids being recruited by Alabama and such. Uh, do, you, do you see any similarities between the way you played and the way they play? Uh, they have my speed. They have my vision and athletic ability. I don't want them to play running back, which the seventh grader and the sixth grader plays running back. And the ninth grader, he plays uh, inside receiver and free safety and plays baseball and the Junior plays basketball and free safety, so and receiver. So I rather put them to stay in those positions, and it's, 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 their their life will live be a lot better. Um, you you mentioned uh, with with their life uh, being a lot better if they played those other positions. Uh, it, 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 there's no other position that that gets the wear and tear of that running back position. Are you still uh, dealing with some of those things from uh, from back in your playing days? Uh, some of that uh, now now. Uh, you know, later here here in life. Well, uh, you know, as we get older, we're always going to start to age, and aches and pains start to come. So, yeah, uh, pretty much every day. I mean, from you know, my grandma told me when I get to be her age, way back when I was in high school, that I was going to regret taking all those licks. And I'm not even her age yet, and I'm already feeling it. So, it's just part of the game, and uh, I wouldn't give nothing up for it. I, I did it, I loved it, and uh, it's just part of the game. But I got the the You've uh, you've always had ties to professional wrestling, uh, you know, whether it was being in the uh, USWA back in '95 or uh, running the uh, Mid South Wrestling. Has that always been kind of a uh, a side passion of yours besides football? Where's that? Uh, where's the love for wrestling come from? Well, just part of the part of the, the just watching it growing up, and always was interested in it. Then I played with Doctor Dev, who became a pro wrestler. Then another friend, David Haskins, who uh, was a wrestler in the Mid South, and just growing up in the Mid South area, you know that was you know Bill Watts and and uh, you know all those guys. You just remember those times, and I wanted to try it and and end up doing it and, and still do it every now and then. And just did uh, I guess a show for high school kids, high school football team too, 
back here in uh, July, I guess. And so I just like doing it. it helps me stay in shape. It helps me uh, just help help the kids, see the kids now. So it's, it's it's all good. Who uh who are your favorite wrestlers growing up, and maybe some of the guys that later on uh, that did come to mind? Well, I can say it was Junkyard Dog, uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, Ric Flair. Uh, uh, now we're talking. Oh, there, there we go. That now yeah. you you mentioned Hulk Hogan and uh, Ric Flair. Now uh, we're we're rolling here. Uh, that's uh, yes, indeed. That, yes, indeed. That's, yes, indeed. that's too cool. And, uh, I, can, I can still go back to wrestling number two, and and uh, I also I love watching the Freebirds and uh, uh, the Road Warriors. I mean, I remember back in the day when they first came on the scene, and and the Freebirds. I mean, it was uh, I think at that time wrestling was just really beginning to take off. Really, to you know, to uh, a, a whole different level, and so I—it was just a lot of fun for me, and and just seeing the fans happy. Do you think wrestling could ever be as entertaining or as popular as it was uh, with? Back in the days, you mentioned some of those guys there. I mean, uh, that sport uh, has been through its ups and downs. Uh, what do you think that it could possibly get back to where it once was? Uh, it, it's really hard. I doubt it. I mean, back then, you know, you had the territories, and, and now you got WWE who covers the whole world, and it's a different, it's a different feel. Uh, it's more commercialized, and all the marketing and soap operas back then. Uh, it was just that territory, and that's what you knew. And uh, so it, it changed a lot. I doubt it gets back to that. You, uh, you you recovered from a prostate cancer after uh, you were diagnosed with that in uh, 2011. What was that battle like? And then uh, to get through the process of uh, you know, ultimately defeating it, uh, tell me about that. Well, basically, uh, you know, I, I, I just took it on just like I take on a football game or whatever. We do what we got to do to, to get through and uh, make it happen and, and, and do – I didn't have, I'm, I'm blessed that I had to do any treatment. So we caught it in time, and uh, you know I always go back to get checked. But you know I just you know at that time my mind was just, hey this was another hill to climb. Well, and and it seems like uh, Marcus uh, that a lot of that that comes with prostate cancer is the guys that. Uh, are not, you know, taking care of themselves and getting the check. It's so important to uh, to beat this before it gets to you, to, to, to try to get this checked early on. Yeah, no doubt about it. A lot of guys don't understand it. it's not the old way. And, and uh, all I did was have my blood checked, and uh, a doctor came back and said, you know, we got, you know, don't be alone. We got we got a problem. So now with guys, we don't worry about the other way of getting checked, just make sure you go ahead and have your blood checked and have your PSA checked, and uh, you'll find out. Uh, you, you getting a chance to watch uh, Baker Mayfield play with the Browns at all? Are you getting a, any, any uh, opportunity to see him at all? I have. I did uh, I watched him play Sunday, and uh, he's doing a good job, no doubt about it. And, uh, we, you know, in the pros, you got to be consistent and, and, and doing what you're doing. And, I mean, just like now, the, you know, Dak was, had a good year. And now he's been up and down, so it's all about being consistent. How long can you be consistent? Can you be a Tom Brady? Can you be an Aaron Rodgers? Can you even be a Drew Brees? You gotta be consistent, and uh, time will tell. What would uh, what what advice maybe would you give to Baker and some of these young guys as they uh, as they enter the league and some of the stuff they're dealing with? Because uh, I mean, you you had a career, you know, in the league, of course, and and uh, some of the lessons you learned. What were some, what are some of these things that maybe these guys could learn from you and, and your experience in the National Football League? Well, I used to talk to Baker a lot of couple of games last year, and all I told him, you know, 
you know, you want to make money off the field, so you got to watch your character. You got to watch what you do. Watch how you speak. Uh, you want to make money off the field. And, uh, you know, you just got to stay on your grind. At this day and time, it's a business. So you got to treat it as a business and go in as a, as a business. So every day you, you step out the door, you're being watched. So just be careful what you do. Now, uh, Marcus, one of the reasons uh, you're here with us today is uh, to talk about that barbecue sauce that you got going as well. What is it, and what kind of flavors you got going, man? Well, right now we just got the regular barbecue, and there's more coming out here, that hopefully, at the end of the month. Uh, it's gluten-free. It only has 7% sugar in it. And, uh, shoot, you can eat that barbecue just about on anything. I, I eat it on French fries. I even put it in some spaghetti. Uh, matter of fact, one of my old high school coaches said he put it on some french fries. He's like, oh my God, it's great. So you just got to try it, and uh, I think everybody will like it. That's cool. That's cool. And uh, you, you you got somebody with us as well to, to talk more about it as well. Well, uh, we got Miss Janet Morgan, who's one of the founders of uh, My Brother's Barbecue, and uh, she can tell you more about how we got started and uh, what, what, what we're looking forward to in the future with. Yeah, go ahead, Janet. Tell us more about it. Well, Marcus, you don't know this, but we're going to have your hot barbecue by the 19th of the month. Oh. You're, you're, yeah, you're going to have that. And tomorrow I will be at the Edmund Homeland Store on Bryant Street doing your demo. And then at 3 o'clock I meet with the, the seasoning, and we'll have your spices out by the 1st of December. And these are from your French fries. Yeah, but anyway, the way this all started, Marcus called me, it was back in April, I think it was, when you went to a sponsorship party, I can't remember, and anyway, and uh, he took that barbecue to his, it was a barbecue for a sponsorship thing, and I wanted him to take the barbecue to his, that Randy Allison, thank you, Randy, <laughs> and I wanted him to try it. Well, by the time I got home, they'd already done a video on it, and right then I knew I wanted Marcus on that barbecue. So, but my sister gave him a picture that she'd had hanging on her wall for over 30 years, and that's how we met Marcus Dupree. She finally got to meet him, and we gave him the barbecue, and, and he liked it. So it, all, it was all good timing for everybody. Marcus, uh, are you going to give uh, Billy Sims a run for his money when it comes to this barbecue sauce? I don't know. We're going to let the people make the choice. I mean, Billy got right now, Billy's has 62 stores out there. So, you know, we just, we're just getting started. So we'll see. We'll let the people make the choice. We'll let, you know, make, let them do, make the choice on that. <laughs> we'll, we'll make a run for it, though. Very well, nice. I wanted to get, uh, Go ahead. I was wanting to be sure and give Egbert here in Bartersville and Caney and all them in the Kansas area a big shout out and the River Spirit. Marcus, did you tell them about the River Spirit? No. Yeah, well, just a couple weeks ago, the River Spirit bought about a thousand balls of barbecue. They they invited about 2,000 of their VIPs and had a big VIP barbecue party and uh, they gave away $5,000 and it was a big success for them. Awesome. It was. It was great. They're talking about doing it again. But we're in a lot of the homeland stores. Uh, we're in the food pyramid in Stillwater. actually called and requested it. In Stillwater, too, of all places. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Country Mart, Coffeeville, the G&W is up in Kansas. 
were in some of the Texas stores down around the Gulf of Texas. Um, it's Galveston, yeah. And um, we're going to be getting into the, we're trying to get into the HEBs. We got somebody working on that. And we're also um, in a restaurant in Seminole, Oklahoma, which is opening up on the 15th of this month. And they're wanting to talk highly on, or we're wanting to really talk big about doing maybe a franchise for Marcus. So you hear that, Marcus? You're s- Marcus, you're still beating uh, OSU in Texas right now. Well, you know, hey, the Longhorns eat barbecue and the Pope do too, so let's give them all the barbecue sauce they need. <laughs> yeah. And remember, and then we went to OU uh, Texas game. That What was the name of that hotel, Marcus, that has a menu out with your barbecue now? Okay, the the rest or the hotel that has the menu with your barbecue well, on it. Well, we did a uh, the Wyndham Hotel in Dallas, the Wyndham Suites Hotel in Dallas did a big uh, barbecue deal there uh, the weekend of the Texas game. They put three or items. They put three items on their, their menu, and it turned out to be a great success there too. So uh, we're trying to cover a lot of areas and and uh, let the people taste it. And so far, everybody likes it. That's cool. That's cool. Well, uh, where can uh, you mention some of the stores where people can get it? Can they check you guys out online anywhere? We're working on that. We're really working hard on that. We, are, we have it online. We, you can go to com. Yeah, we got that. And we're also getting his line of clothes out there, too. Those hoodies, are everybody's wanting them. And when I wear mine tomorrow, they're going to really hit on it there in, Oklahoma, in Edmond. Very nice, very nice. Well, maybe uh, maybe you can send us some uh, some barbecue sauce and one of those hoodies or something. We'd love to uh, support and check you guys oh, out. So we can do that. There we go. I'll now make that happen. Awesome. Well, that's a great stuff. Uh, one more thing, and then I'll I'll let you guys run. Marcus, uh, you got a prediction on a bedlam this weekend, man? Uh, I think all you will win. What about that? Okay. Uh, in, in no, hey, no, let's flip a coin. No, no trash talk or anything for the folks you want to met, send out there? No, no uh, trash talk. I got friends at OSU that played OSU, Thurman Thomas, Rusty Hilger, uh, Melvin Gilliam. I, you know, I got a bunch of friends that play there, so we're all friends. So uh, I hope it's a great game, but uh, also I hope OU comes out on top. Well, Janet, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, Marcus as well. Appreciate it. Go check this out. There's a barbecue sauce out and all the stuff. It's taken off. And glad to see so many things are doing so well for you, Marcus. Appreciate the time. And uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thank you, man. Big thanks to Marcus Dupree for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. You heard from uh, Marcus Dupree. Also, uh, Janet Moreland stopped by, and uh, she's a good friend of yours, Tom. Yeah, for sure. So I work with Janet's daughter at uh, Phillips 66, and uh, it's kind of, you know, they told me that they were working with Marcus uh, on that barbecue sauce you just heard about. So that barbecue sauce is, you know, in a lot of different places, Brother Oog, and they do a lot of different events. And I've been able, obviously, to try it myself. It sounds like it's taken off from there. So definitely best of luck to them and, and awesome boat, you know, to have them both on and, and kind of see where they're at and, and kind of see what Marcus has been doing as well as seeing how, you know, his uh, barbecue sauce endeavors have taken off. 
Yeah, that's uh, taken off well for him. Uh, glad to see he's doing well and everything. A big thanks to uh, him for joining us on uh, today's show. Uh, let's talk some NFL news uh, real quick, and then we'll get into our uh, picks segment. And uh, Tom Fullery as well coming up uh, in this uh, half of the show. Uh, but uh, let's start out with uh, Des Bryant. He is uh, joining the, the New Orleans Saints. He is uh, one of two players we're talking about that have not played this year that are making a move. Uh, he's uh, going to join an already loaded New Orleans Saints roster. And, uh, of course, the Saints are uh, tied for the best record in uh, the National Football League right now, and they uh, just got that big win against uh, the L.A. Rams last week. Here's what this reminds me of, Tom. The Saints don't need Des Bryant. He adds depth to a team that's already loaded. And I know that he causes issues. Teams were staying away from Des and not interested, not necessarily because of the way he plays, but just of the attitude and all that comes with Des Bryant. If he starts to cause issues with his team, they are so good that they can just cut ties and be done with him, and there's no loss. They get back to you know doing things as they were doing before. It reminds me of this DeMarcus Cousins deal with the Warriors, that uh, you know Boogie Cousins, if he, if he causes issues for the Warriors, they're just going to cut him and probably go win the title without him. In this case with the Saints, I don't know necessarily they're going to win a title per se, but if he causes issues, they can dump him and move on and be fine. There's not really much risk to this move on a team that's already loaded like New Orleans as opposed to if he were if he were going to join a borderline playoff team. This is a good fit uh, joining uh, this team, and he's never played with a quarterback like Drew Brees before. No, he hasn't, and it's really a win-win for both parties. If it doesn't work out, it's a one-year deal. He's done after that. They have no obligation to, you know, I almost said give him minutes, but, you know, pass him the ball or, uh, you know, feed him. And for Des Bryant, hell, he joins a playoff contender uh, and with a real shot at a Super Bowl. Uh, that's fair to say, completely fair to say. Uh, and with their offense going the way it is, I, I don't think it can really hurt them. I think with Des Bryant opposite of Michael Thomas, I think that's even scarier than without Des Bryant. I mean, he's, you know, I'm pretty much past his prime, but at the same time, it, we're still talking about Des Bryant. Uh, and with Drew Brees thrown to him, you know, Tony Romo was cool and all. Uh, and Dak Prescott is pretty lackluster. So with a Drew Brees throwing to Des Bryant, that's pretty scary. It is. And uh, the the elements that bring part of this, one of the things that you saw with, uh, with Des was that he was upset with the way that Dak wasn't necessarily getting him the football and all that he liked. In this situation that Dez is walking into, this is Drew Brees' team. Drew Brees is going to get Dez Bryant the ball the amount of times he deserves to get the football. That It's going to be up to Dez Bryant to make himself open and uh, work out well for this team. Uh, this is a situation where Dez has no power and no control. This is still Sean Payton and Drew Brees' offense. He's going to have to adapt to uh, fit this team to make it work. It's going to be up to Dez. His success has nothing to do with the Saints or with Drew Brees or Sean Payton. His success is solely going to come down to him and uh, how hard he works, how much he has left in the tank, and how much he wants to be a good teammate. It's not going to be due to anyone else. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a perfect situation for Des Bryant because I think he can and will succeed uh, in this offense. I mean, it's 
there's so many other, you know, I call them shooters. There's so many other playmakers on this team, on this offense, uh, that it would be extremely hard in a way to not get the ball from a quarterback as good as Drew Brees because teams are going to have to focus on Michael Thomas. That's Drew Brees' favorite guy. Uh, so if you focus too much on Michael Thomas, who's going to be open? Freaking Des Bryant. Uh, so it's almost unfair in a way that, uh, uh, you know, a, a person of, of or a player of Des Bryant's, I want to call it stature, gets to have this opportunity to have Des Bryant throwing to him. This late in his career, especially after everything that happened with Dallas, who kind of come in past the midpoint in the season and get a chance literally at a Super Bowl. Uh, so best case scenario for him, I obviously still love Des Bryant through everything just because uh, college years. But at the same time, the Saints now, you know, for the whole half the season, the Rams are the scariest team. Uh, it's easily safe to say that the Saints are easily the scariest team now. Yeah, in, in the NFC, uh, for sure, that uh, that Saints team is. Also, another guy that uh, has not played this season, Le'Veon Bell, could be back in Pittsburgh. He was seen at an L.A. fitness in uh, Pittsburgh uh, late on uh, Tuesday, and uh, he put some text messages uh, out there on uh, Twitter that uh, he was not apologizing for the holdout. Interesting situation for the Steelers to deal with. Here's how this all works uh, in this regard. Bell failed to sign his $14.5 million franchise tender while preserving his long-term health for a future lucrative contract. Bell must report to the team by Tuesday, week 11, before the Steelers match up with the Jags or he forfeits the season. Then he becomes a free agent in 2019 if the Steelers do not place a third franchise tag on him. A third tag would be worth more than $20 million, though the Steelers are unlikely to use, utilize the tag. One option is a transition tag, which is worth 120% of the previous year's salary. If Bell reports fails to report, the transition tag would be around, around $14.5 million or 120% of his $12.1 million franchise tag from 2017 since that's the last year he played. So, to put all that, I know that was a lot right there. Here's the deal with the Steelers. Here's what's going to happen. Either Bell comes back and he plays the rest of this year, and then uh, they pay him his full franchise tag for this year, and then figure out what to do next year, either the franchise tag or the transition tag, and and then possibly re-sign him, or they trade him, whatever. Um, that's a possibility. Or he still doesn't play this year, and he loses out on that money this year, and then they make a move from uh, move on from him in the offseason uh, in some way, shape, or form. So those are the scenarios. Look, the Pittsburgh Steelers are having a, a solid year. They got off to a slow start, but James Conner has been better than Le'Veon Bell in every statistic. He's been just fine. Conner looks, looks better than uh, Bell at this point. And Bell comes with a lot of drama, a lot of the sideshow. James Conner, none of that at all. He's a great dude. Um, you know, I mean, or, or James Conner, of course, uh, you know, I mean, he, he beat cancer and all that. Um, to me, I think things are fine. They don't necessarily need Le'Veon Bell, per se. Uh, I The bad might weigh, outweigh the good when it comes to Bell uh, with this team. Uh, I think they're fine with James Conner right now. Unless, I'll have a big unless here, Tom, if if Connor gets hurt 
then I think you got to do whatever you can to bring Bell back and find a way. Um, but if things are rolling as they are right now, uh, you, you keep going with the momentum as things are. They don't need Bell right now. No, and I, I think that if they were to bring him back in, that the potential for uh, some chaoticness, um, some problems could arise that could throw the Steelers team, who seems to be on track right now, uh, they could spiral them back out of control, um, you know, allowing Le'Veon back into the game. I, I think at this point, with the way things are going, uh, with James Conner, that I think it would be wise to, you know, maybe you obviously keep him on the roster, maybe give him some playing time, but I think you still have to make James Conner the feature back. I think that's the only He's earned that right, right way to do things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's only it's only right to do so because James Conner has not caused any problems, has been the back that Le'Veon Bell was, and it is just continuing uh, on having, you know, a good season with Pittsburgh. So, uh, until James Conner uh, poops the bed, or until he, you know, doesn't do so hot, I think you got to just keep going with the hot hand and and not give it back to someone who caused so much drama in your locker room. And, and you gotta, you know, get him the franchise tag or the transition tag in the off season and get something out of him. You can't let a player that talented just walk away for nothing, even if it's a, a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, I mean, they gotta get something out of Le'Veon Bell in the off season. Yeah, and I, I think they will. I think that's only the smart move. Some team will bite on that, uh, even if for a one-year rental. Uh, I mean, look, it's kind of the same way the NBA works. You know, the, Paul George is a one-year rental, and it turned out to be a right situation uh, for, for the Thunder. Maybe some team can give him a fourth or fifth round and, and kind of be a win-win for both the Steelers and for whatever team decides to give up that pick for him. Yeah. This franchise tag thing for Bell has sure bit him in the ass. It went totally uh, opposite of what he needed to be with the performance of James Cotter and with what the Steelers have been this year. Uh, it has been a, just a mess. He made a mistake, clearly. Um, you know, he, he has a, a good message, Tom, of what he's trying to get out there, trying to secure that money, but he's the wrong messenger to do it, uh, you know, in a running back position. You know, I mean, what the Steelers were offering him was fair for a running back. Um, I mean, I, I get what he's trying to put out there, but uh, he's not the right messenger for that message he was going for. No, he could have been the right messenger if James Conner wasn't to perform the way he has. Uh, and, and sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles. For the Steelers' benefit, obviously it crumbled the right way. Uh, for Le'Veon, like you said, it bit him in the ass. Uh, and things just kind of happened like that. So, you know, didn't work out per se. I, and I completely agree. Uh, with getting your money, you know, guaranteed money, uh, just with the way that especially the running back position can go. There's such a short timeline for running backs just because they take all those hits and with the CTE thing going on, um, I get the guaranteed money. But at the same time, you're putting your body on the line for all that money. Uh, it's obviously pretty controversial, and it's it's tough to take, you know, one side or another. It's, it's can go both ways uh but with the money they were offering i thought that was pretty fair but i get with putting your health on the line you want to get as much money as possible and and go that route so i do i do get both sides uh but like you like you said it bit him in the ass because james Conner has been that good yeah certainly certainly uh 
Let's get to our we'll get to our pick segment coming up here in uh, just a second. But uh, before we do that, this game's not in our pick'em, and maybe for the first time in the history of this show that it's not in our pick'em. But uh, the spread is just too big to to put it in there. Uh, OU and OSU in a bedlam coming up on a Saturday. Tom, this is a quiet bedlam week. I know Kyler Murray said that he didn't like Stillwater, but other than that, there's just not that much hype surrounding this game this year. Uh, you know, with Oklahoma State being as down as they are, uh, you know, suffering that loss last week against Baylor, how up and down they've been. And, and la- you know, the last couple of years, we had the greatest quarterback battle in bedlam history between Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. This year, there's just not that much hype. It feels like more people are talking about the Sunflower Showdown with uh, all that's going on with uh, David Beatty and Bill Snyder right now. Uh, There's just not a whole lot of hype. This is kind of a quiet bedlam compared to what we're accustomed to. Yeah, I I think, you know, obviously people think OU is going to win, and and so do I. And obviously the spread shows that. Uh, But you look at just the positions as well as as both programs are kind of and obviously Kyler Murray will be gone after this year. Uh, Taylor Cornelius gone after this year. It's kind of a, and we don't see this a whole lot of between these teams. It's oh, it's an almost a rest year. It's almost like okay, let it rest. We know OU's going to win. Uh, there's no uncertainty about oh, maybe OU or OSU could pull this off this year. There's no, you know, there's no really bad blood between in a way. Uh, between Kyler Murray and Taylor Cornelius, there's no history there. They've never played each other before. Uh, it's not like a Baker Mayfield, uh, Mason Rudolph showdown. There's, you know, for OSU, there's nothing, nothing really at stake. Besides, if they do get this win, it would be, you know, pretty big, obviously, because it's Bedlam, and they would be bowl eligible. But for OU, this is just another game they have to go through to. Uh, their Big 12 path to the college football playoffs. So there's not as much at stake um, as there usually is because before the Big 12 championship rolled in, it was the essential championship game. And, and they will move that back next year. It goes back to the last game of the Big 12 regular season. So uh, maybe we'll see some change there, but I completely agree. It doesn't feel the same. I don't have as much anxiety um, that I usually do over this game, and, and I'm weirdly enjoying that. Yeah, it, it is kind of odd in that sense that uh, we're feeling this way uh, about Bedlam and uh, some of the games it's produced over the years. Uh, this one, no one's expecting it to uh, be close. But I'll, I'll say this, Tom, uh, you know, OU, I, I don't think that they're going to be overlooking this Oklahoma State team, though. Lincoln Riley is a very good messenger. I think they're still going to be prepared. They're not going to be looking ahead to these potential games against West Virginia or a Big 12 title game. I know they got they have their eyes on the college football playoff, but uh, I would really be surprised if OU comes out of the gate slow and lets this one get away. Uh, I mean, they looked very good uh, against Texas Tech last week. Even with the slow start they suffered last week, they came back right away and had a heck of a response. Um, I don't think Lincoln Riley is going to let that slow start happen again. I think that they're going to be fine coming out of the gates against Oklahoma State uh, come Saturday. You know, and I hope they do come out slow just being an Oklahoma State fan, but I, I think you're right. I don't think they'll overlook this game whatsoever. It's still, for the players, it still is bedlam. Uh, I'm sure they still get up for it. 
Um, I would expect so. And and maybe we'll see that from Oklahoma State players. Maybe they know that, you know, you know, great outing against Texas, came up with a huge win, and then just really let it go against Baylor, underperformed. Maybe they'll come out and show something. It's one of those games, no matter how bad, you know, usually it's OSU, no matter how bad they are, uh, it's almost like Texas OU, uh, that the game will be good. Now, I'm not going to expect that, but I also will not be surprised if OSU puts up more of a fight than what I or anybody else expects. Yeah, it's still um, a rivalry at, game. At the end of the day, OU's going to win. Yeah, oh, at the end of the day, OU's still going to win this game. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. In regards to the playoff, I know that the uh, the numbers out there, you know, the, the analytics people, uh, those uh, those doofuses that do, you know, those number crunching and all that, they, they don't like OU's chances to make the playoff right now just because of the number of one-loss teams ahead of them and what it would take losses-wise uh, to get OU in, you know, based on resume and such. I'll say this, Tom. If OU can win out and have back-to-back wins against a very good West Virginia team, winning in Morgantown and then winning in the Big 12 title game, I don't see any way that OU is going to be left out of the playoff. I think that their resume is lacking that top win, which they would get in two wins against West Virginia. And this is college football. There's going to be chaos. There will be teams that lose down the stretch. If OU wins out, I don't think there's any way that they're not going to be in the playoff. Uh, that's there, there, there will be teams that lose and be teams that drop out. If OU finds a way to be, be just a one-loss team, they'll be in. I don't have any doubt about it. I think that they'll be just fine. Uh, but it's not even a given they're going to win out at this point. Those West Virginia games are going to be very tough for them to deal with. And West Virginia won in November, as shocking as that is, last week. So anything's possible with them at this point. So uh, if OU wins out, I don't have any doubt that team will be in the playoff. I think they're, they're going to be just fine if they find a way to win, uh, win their, their games the rest of the way. Oh, I, I completely agree. It would be a shame if they were left out. Granted, if, if it works out the way it will uh, with West Virginia now, obviously if they lose, if they lose, uh, Big 12 is going to be left out of the college football playoff. I'll be officially over it then. Um, but if they do get left, okay, let's say, let's do a little hypothetical. Let's say they go one loss and they get left out. Uh, a blue blood like OU getting left out after a one-loss season in a rivalry game uh, in an, at a neutral site, if they do get left out, does it give any more chance or does it almost force the college football to make a move faster on expanding the playoff? Is that fair to say? Will, I, I think they would. they would, and I would add to this, remember – OU sued the NCAA over TV contracts. If OU missed the playoff with one loss, they might even get a lawsuit uh, coming to push for a playoff change. I think that would uh, they would spin some heads. There would uh, be chaos, and uh, there would be a lot of anger in Norman uh, to push for change, and they just might get it. I mean, if that's the case, I, I like chaos if it doesn't involve Oklahoma State, obviously, but I want the playoff to change now. If you know if OU doesn't get in with one loss, I think it's still a shame um, because I think they would be deserving. Uh, but if they didn't, it's kind of a you know well maybe it'll push for a change and maybe we can get a different format here. So as not an OU fan, I can get. I mean, as a Big Twelve fan, I'm going to be a little upset that the Big Twelve would be left out. Uh, 
as a not OU fan, I would be less upset than usual uh, because it would cause some change. I mean, there will be chaos in, in, in any year. There's going to be chaos with the 14 playoffs. Someone's going to get left out. And if we can really piss off the right people uh, that get left out, maybe we can get a better playoff out of the deal. As a college football fan, I'm all for that. I think it should go to eight teams, uh, at least six, experiment with six for the time being. Uh, and figure out how to do a play-in and go from there. I think that would be really beneficial. But uh, I think we're still a few years away from that, at least four or five. Um, I could be wrong, though. Piss piss the right people off, and you might get what you want quicker. That's a a life lesson, Tom. Uh, That's that's words to live by there. Piss people off, and you'll get what you want. Um, That's the the Thomas Bridges method. Uh, Words to live by right there. Uh, let's go ahead and get to our uh, college football picks this week. We'll run through these pretty quickly because Thomas and I uh, agree on almost every pick, so we'll just run through them real fast and get to our NFL picks. Clemson and uh, Boston College, uh, game day is going to be there. Big year for BC this year. Uh, certainly surprised some people this year. Clemson's 17 and a half point favorite. I know this has been a solid year for BC, but I'll say this. I think it's more so a product of their schedule. The ACC is so bad, uh, you know, they're the second to worst of the Power Five conferences. You're going to have teams that do benefit because of the league struggling. I think that's the case. I think Clemson's going to roll over Boston College uh, come Saturday time. I think that goes without saying. And, and what Clemson did this past weekend, I mean, I think it's without saying that they'll cover the spread. So I'll go ahead and take Clemson as well. And, and Trevor Lawrence has proven himself to be a Really good quarterback. Beating out Kelly Bryant, forcing him to transfer. Uh, they're in good shape. They got a good quarterback, and you know they're on their way to another playoff appearance. Uh, Ohio State at Michigan State. Ohio State, uh, man, have uh, have they fallen a bit? Uh, almost losing to Nebraska last week. Of course, they have suffered an ugly loss uh, before that. Michigan State not playing too great either. Uh, Michigan State's at home though. I'm going to take Ohio State, Tom, at that three and a half, but uh, neither one of these teams are playing good football right now. No, of course not. And, and Ohio State almost dropping to Nebraska last week. I think this is going to be a lot interesting, a lot more interesting game to watch than what you know people might just think, basis off you know based off the record or based off the name. It, if it was at Ohio State, maybe a little things change, but it is at Michigan State. Uh, I'll go ahead and take Ohio State Buckeyes, but I think this game could be a little interesting. Auburn at Georgia. These two teams split the season series last year. Uh, Auburn won the regular season game. Georgia won in the SEC championship. Georgia, a 14-point favorite at home against this Auburn squad. Uh, Georgia, of course, they're, they're already locked into the SEC championship game, but Tom, with the loss that Georgia already suffered to LSU, they have to win out to make the playoff. Every game matters for this team. I like them to take care of business and uh, cover that 14-point spread. I know uh, I like Jared Stidham and some of those guys with Auburn. They've already announced Gus Malzahn's going to be back next year, but uh, Georgia's going to play determined come Saturday. I think so, too, and, and Auburn just barely slipped by an A&M team, and uh, I you know, kind of, a, you know, not have been the Auburn of, of, of the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, you said Gus Malzahn will be back next year, and, and maybe it's one of those years that they're not uh, a top team. So 
you also mentioned that Georgia kind of has to win out to have a shot, and they and they are at home, so I wouldn't expect uh, anything less than a Georgia win. Uh, the spread's a little high for me, but I do think they uh, go ahead and cover. So I'll take the Bulldogs. Texas and Texas Tech. This game's in prime time between these two schools, and uh, they have both lost a lot of games recently after those uh, hot starts to the year. Um, Texas, you know, let one uh, go away against West Virginia. Uh, that defense has gotten exposed the last couple of weeks. Texas Tech, uh, I mean, man, they've been just unfortunate. They've just run into some really good teams, Iowa State and OU. I don't think they never necessarily played bad. They just lost to better opponents. Texas Tech's at home, though. Uh, I think they have reason to be optimistic from that OU performance. Uh, that Tex- their, their defense is better than Texas's defense. And I think that's what decides this game and being the home team. Uh, give me uh, Tech to cover despite Texas being favored. Who do you like, Tom? So, Jones, I think this year for Tech, uh, I, I think it's really saved Cliff Kingsbury's job. I, by, by Tech standards, I think they've had a hell of a year. Uh, they play OU really close. They play Iowa State really close. Uh, they do come up short, but, uh, I mean, at home versus Texas, who have, who have uh, you know, <clears throat> dropped the last two, uh, you know, the frustrations going on with Texas right now. Okay, Texas beat OU, they're back. Then they lose to Oklahoma State, and then they lose a close one to West Virginia. Um, and really two close games. I think Tech being at home, I think they can pull this off. Yeah, I, and they've faced uh, Texas very well the last few years, what they've been able to do competing with the uh, Longhorns. Uh, so I like Tech in that game as a two-point underdog to uh, get the win and cover. Last one for you, Fresno State at Boise State. Fresno State, they're trying to contend to get uh, one of those spots in the New Year's Six. They only have one loss, and their resume looks just as good as UCF does. Boise State, uh, they're 7-2, and two, but they have been up and down this year. And uh, I, I've not been impressed with Boise State, uh, that team, this year. Fresno, I have been. Uh, I'm going to go with Fresno at uh, on the road to uh, win and cover at 2.5. Uh, but, Tom, they have not had a lot of success on the Smurf turf over the years. No, in, in fact, check, man, I might be wrong, but I heard it somewhere, and I think it's credible enough that I don't think Fresno State's ever won on the Smurf turf. Uh, and that alone uh, is going to be enough for me to all go ahead and take Boise State. You know, Nolan is not even taking his own team at home uh, in Boise State. He's taking Fresno State as well, but I'll differ there, and I'll, I'll go ahead and take Boise. Well, uh, I guess he's not a true fan, you know, and he uh, he gets fired from being a Boise State uh, fan. You know, he's, uh, he's off the island uh, going forward. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, get to NFL picks now. Really good Thursday night football game between the Carolina Panthers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite coming off a uh, win against Baltimore, you know, a very physical game on Sunday. That's a quick turnaround. That's a hard turnaround. Uh, the Panthers as well coming off uh, their performance uh, last week when they got a uh, nice win as well. Two of the best teams in the league right now playing some really good football after slow starts this year. Pittsburgh is one of the best teams in the league at home. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. i got to go with the Steelers, Tom. You know, I really like what the Carolinas doing this year, but uh, with kind of an almost turnaround for Pittsburgh uh, in the past three or four games, Games. I like what they're doing as well, and I can't pick against Pittsburgh at home, so I'm going to have to take Steelers. Saints and Bengals. Saints, one of the hottest teams in the league, uh, going up against Cincinnati, who 
has surprised some people. There wasn't much expectation for the Bengals this year. Saints, a five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I'm going to keep rolling with those Saints, Tom. Yeah, I have to as well. And, and you know, I will say this has been a, a decent year for Marvin Lewis and crew, but I'm really excited to watch this game to see how Des Bryant gets integrated in this first game uh, for New Orleans. So, be excited to see what they do. I think the Saints keep rolling. Lions and uh, Bears. Uh, the Bears have been one of the surprise teams of the league this year. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I know the Lions haven't had a great year, but anytime Matt Stafford is involved, uh, the Lions can compete in any game. Uh, they're at Chicago. i got to go with uh, the Bears uh, to cover that six-and-a-half. Uh, Trubisky and company get it done. Who, who you got, Tom? I'll take the Bears as well. Golden State just got traded from the Lions, and, and maybe Khalil Mack comes back uh, and has a hell of a game against Stafford. But I think this one will be a lot closer than, uh, you know, the spread. Be, this was a tough one for me, but I'll take the Bears. So you're saying it's going to be a lot closer than the spread. Then why aren't you picking the Lions to cover this? I mean, no, I mean, I'm saying, like, I think it's going to be like a 10-point game i'm thinking it's gonna be the bears are not gonna run i don't think the bears will run away with this game well then, i'll take I'll, I'll take the bears obviously by winning by a touchdown but i do think it's gonna be one of those coming down to the end type games okay okay got you there uh washington taking on tampa bay the bucks a three-point favorite fitz magic gonna start for tampa bay washington playing really good alex smith uh can't bet against my guy Alex Smith. Uh, they're a three-point underdog, though. Uh, this is an. Up- I'm going to go with the upset. Give me a Washington on the road, Tom. Yeah, I've got Washington too. I think they're playing really well, and I think Tampa Bay's still trying to figure things out with the Winston and Pitts Magic thing. So I'll take Washington as well. Last one: Atlanta taking on Cleveland. The Browns still sitting at two wins, second week of the Greg Williams era. The uh, Falcons, of course, uh, led by Matt Ryan and company, have been one of the most disappointing teams in the league, sitting at 4-4. Four and four. They get this one, Tom. They can move up to 5-4 and four and still compete for a wild card. Must-win game for, for uh, the Falcons. I know they're not playing too great, but they're not going to let Cleveland get in their way. I got the uh, Falcons to win and cover at 4. Oh, yeah, I'll take the Falcons as well. I think the Browns are still, you know, obviously a few years away, and I don't I don't see the Falcons losing this one. All right, let's go ahead and get to our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. We're going to head to one of my favorite places, one of the best restaurants in the entire world, the Waffle House. And what happens at the Waffle House stays at the Waffle House. There's always some weird stuff that goes on there. And we got another story from the Waffle House. What is it this time, Tom? So, Jones, I'm going to go ahead and let you guess where this is from. I will say it's not Florida, but just guess what state. Just guess. Uh, I'm going to go Georgia. It's not Oklahoma. I what, said, what state? I said Georgia. Georgia? Well, you would be close, but it is coming from Alabama. Uh, the headline reads, police. Man with no pants falls through Waffle House ceiling. Police in Alabama say a man not wearing any pants fell through the roof of a Waffle House during a botched burglary and fought patrons before fleeing. Uh, this was updated. This came out actually this morning, early, early this morning. Um, 
I've never heard of this Alabama town, but Tuscumbia, kind of like Tuscaloosa, but Tuscumbia, T-U-S-C-U-M-B-I-A. Police in Alabama say a man not wearing any pants fell through the roof of a Waffle House. The Times Daily reports Tuscumbia Police Detective Wes Holland says 27-year-old Glenn Boast is being sought on criminal mischief and burglary charges. Another suspect has not been identified. Police Chief Tony Logan says the Birmingham man tried to break into the restaurant's office through the ceiling. Logan says Boast went into the bathroom, tied the door shut with his pants, and climbed into the ceiling. He says a under he says an underwear-clad Boast then fell into the dining area and fought off patrons trying to detain him. Logan says Boast then fled, leaving behind his pants that contained his driver's license. Police say Boast may have been on you know what? I've seen a lot of movies where people do the ceiling in. I'd imagine there are a lot of ceilings that could hold people, but if I had to just go ahead and guess, Waffle House would not be a one with a pretty secure ceiling. Uh, when they say he was on drugs, I completely believe it. At the same time, what would you get out of robbing a Waffle House? I don't feel like that is the biggest moneymaker. No. I'm not sure. It's Alabama logic for sure. I'm not sure where this guy was going. Like, first off, are you is he, is he going to just come back to the bathroom? Is I'm guessing that was his plan and grab his driver's license. Did he think that if he failed, that he wouldn't possibly want to hold on to that? Well, and isn't he going to be a pretty obvious criminal that you know? Hey, go find the naked man. Yeah, if, yeah, exactly. Now, if I guess if he was to get back to the bathroom, then he puts his pants back on, replaces the ceiling tile, and then comes out of the bathroom. With, I don't think there's any way he was going to have time to execute that plan. No, that was very. I mean, he had to have been on drugs. Is it? This is from Alabama. I'm not surprised, but at the same time, this is just poor planning. This has got to be a mess. This has Probably so. Uh, I'm sure at the time it was released, the article came out at 520 this morning. So I'm guessing that it was fairly late at night that this was trying to be accomplished. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty bold to go through the ceiling. Could you imagine sitting there eating your Waffle House and some naked guy falls through the ceiling? I'm sure I want to see the surveillance video. I really do. I've had some weird experiences at Waffle House, uh, but this would be weirder than those. Uh, like uh, I, I had one one time where uh, uh, somebody offered me to try their uh, their secret sauce. Oh goodness! Yeah, um, and then uh, I had another time I went in there. Uh, Reed and was I. That in uh, uh, this was uh, it was in Shawnee, Kansas, uh, just by by the speedway over there. Um, you know, Bonner Springs, you know, Shawnee, that area. I had another yeah. time with Reed where, uh, we went over, um, to another one and, uh, they, uh, the, all the uh, workers were missing teeth and that was pretty creepy to say the least. Yeah, I bet it was. I bet they were high on the biscuits and gravy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, another day at the Waffle House, it seems like, uh, of this. Uh, I know Gus Malzahn is a big Waffle House guy. He goes there after every game um, right there in uh, Auburn, Alabama. Maybe it was Gus Malzahn who did this. I know he's struggling. He's having a bad year with Auburn this year. Maybe he was desperate, and this was uh, Gus Malzahn. I I'm not going to confirm or deny this was Gus Malzahn. 
not until the, the uh, mugshot comes out, at least. That's, uh, I mean, that's incredible. I wonder where Tuscumbia is uh, in relation to Auburn or Tuscaloosa. I feel like it has to be close to Tuscaloosa. Maybe they were like uh, the redheaded stepchild city or Lord knows. I mean, climbing through the ceiling, I will admit, you know, that is a uh, pretty bold pretty bold move i mean it, hell it beats a, an armed robbery for sure um this is the opposite of uh raising the roof yeah literally it's climbing through the roof so jones i'm looking at it now tuscumbia is right on the northwest border of alabama like right in the corner probably not too far away honestly probably about a three-hour drive to memphis okay okay not so, too bad Northwest Alabama? Hmm, I don't know. That, that sounds pretty sketchy, just the idea of messing around in Northwest Alabama. That does. That is uh, something else. And at a Waffle House, no less. I mean, I guess whatever's open at that time being, you know, Waffle House is one of those 24-hour things. I wonder how much planning this this took this guy. I wonder if it was, you know, a spur of the moment thing, like on the pot thing, and you know what, maybe we can climb through. Uh, or I wonder if it was an inside job. I wonder if he worked at a Waffle House before. You know... Inside job? Now you, you sound like Alex Jones. No, I mean, at the same time, like, you're crawling through a roof that you have no idea where you're going. I mean, does he just try to, you know, use his own directions and crawl towards the back somewhere? I mean, there's a very good possibility he could have fell through into the kitchen. Or how did he know where the office was located and which way to go through the roof? On next week's show, Tom is going to throw out the idea, is Waffle House using their coffee to turn the frogs gay? Probably, yeah, probably Alex Jones, yeah. Um... But seriously, I mean, he had to have had, like, a layout of the store unless he just kind of spurred the moment tried to do this. Maybe he's a former employee. Um, that's certainly possible. Uh, you, you never know. But, yeah, that's that's an interesting story. Uh, and, of course, he was going to get caught. Uh, another day, the stupid criminals, this time uh, involving uh, the Waffle House. That about does it for today's edition of the Jones Report. Big thanks to Marcus Dupree for joining us. And I appreciate him stopping by. We'll see you right back here next week. Follow us on uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, and uh, Tyler Jones Media Group. You can find us there. Hope you all have a great weekend, Tom. Uh, you're going to listen to uh, that song Mo Bamba this weekend? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm uh, slated for double karaoke this week, so Thursday and Saturday. If you I would love it if somebody song. did karaoke to Mo Bamba. Oh, I, I, I wonder if I have it. I'll have to look. That would be uh, quite an experience to witness that. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll come down to Barlesville one of these days, and, and that'll be my song of choice. That'll be an experience to see. You really ought to. Right? I think everybody would just stop and, like, what is going on? Yeah, they would make someone climb through the roof of Angelo's. <laughs> On that note, uh, subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and uh, we'll see you right back here next week. For Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. Have a great weekend, everybody. The Jones Report.
Yeah. 